Everybody, good morning and welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Really, really glad that you're here. Uh, welcome those of you over in East Hall and those of you tuning in. Uh, welcome. All right, let me start with some great news. Uh, a little more than two years ago, we decided as a church that we needed to respond to the opiate epidemic, the heroin epidemic that had been ravaging and continues to ravage our community. And a vision emerged to create a 90-bed facility that would combine the best of the medical and counseling worlds with the healing and restorative power of Jesus so that people who are caught in addiction might find healing. And thanks to Dan Gregory and his team, uh, ground has been broken, dirt is beginning to be moved, which means that within a year, uh, this facility will be functioning and filled with people who are getting set free from addiction and also meeting Jesus. So we are so grateful for all that has gone on. I wanted to thank Dan Gregory. I wanted to thank you for uh, helping us do that. And hopefully we'll be praying for this to have a tremendous impact on our community. All right. Thanks. All right, we started a new series this weekend. It's a four-week series called Surprisingly Simple Ways to Make Jesus Famous. You know, our theme this year has been to make Jesus famous. If that sounds trite or shallow, it's not meant to be. It's actually taken from Isaiah chapter 66, where this is God speaking, and this is what God says. For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. And I will set a sign among them, and from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Pul, and Lud, to draw the bow to Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands far away, that have not heard my fame or seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the nations. That's our goal. Our goal is that more and more people will find out who Jesus is and what he has done from our families into our schools, into where you work, into our communities, and then so the whole world might know the glory of God in Jesus. All right, that's our goal. All right, so this first week of Surprisingly Simple Ways to Make Jesus Famous is going to be on forgiveness. Now note I said they were surprisingly simple, not surprisingly easy. There is nothing easy about forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard. And it's hard for a couple of reasons, but let me tell you why it's simple. It's simple because there is so much opportunity to forgive. I mean, we are human beings. We are constantly being hurt by someone and hurting other people. It's like we're a bunch of porcupines with those long quills living with other porcupines, like working with other porcupines, going to school, with, going to church with porcupines. And so you are constantly sticking other people and people are sticking you. So there's, there's an overwhelming opportunity to forgive for each one of us every day, every day. But forgiveness is rare. It is something the world needs so desperately, but it's rare, and it's rare for a couple of reasons. One is that you can't motivate forgiveness the way you can motivate some other virtues. You can motivate some virtues by using pride or fear, which are great motivators. I could have told my kids when they were little, hey, don't cheat. Coffees don't cheat. It'd be an, an appeal to family pride. 
If I tell you, uh, don't steal, can you imagine what would happen if you get caught? You might not steal. That means you would develop that virtue, but you'd develop it because of fear. But forgiveness is different. You cannot motivate true forgiveness through pride or fear, which is why when it happens, it is so profound and so amazing. Here's a photo of, this photo went viral several weeks ago. It's a photo of a woman named Amber Geiger, and the man who is hugging her is a young man named Brant Jean. Amber Geiger was uh, an off-duty police officer who walked into an apartment that she thought was hers, but it wasn't. It was the apartment of Botham Jean, who was eating ice cream at the time, and Amber Geiger walked into his apartment, drew her gun, and shot him to death. Brant Jean is Botham's younger brother who asked to speak to Amber during the court hearing, during the trial. And he told her that he forgave her, then he asked permission to hug her. And the judge of that case said in all her years, her decades on the bench, she had never seen anything quite like that. Forgiveness is so unusual so deep, so profound, so rare, it can make a whole nation stand and marvel. In the Gospel of Matthew, the disciple Peter asked Jesus a question about forgiveness. It's a good question. He says, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? How many times does someone disappoint me before I can write them off? How many times does somebody hurt me before I can bury them. And Jesus, as was his habit, answers Peter's question with a story. And this is the story. Jesus tells it in Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to read verses 23 through 35. This is what Jesus says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. And when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is God's word. <laughs> okay, let's start with the obvious. All right, it's a, it's a story that Jesus tells and he's, he's making a point. And it's a pretty simple and obvious point. 
he makes a point using tremendous disparity. He starts by saying there was a servant who owed a king 10,000 talents. Now, a talent was uh, a weight measurement used for measuring gold or silver. A single talent was actually a little more than 66 pounds of silver or gold. And since this is a king, it was probably gold. And since Jesus is telling this story to show a disparity, let's make it gold. So this servant owed the king a little shy of 700,000 pounds of gold. That's roughly $3 billion with a B. $3 billion. So the first thing you should know is that this wasn't an ordinary servant. This wasn't a servant that washed his chariots or shined his sandals. This was a servant who was trusted so much that he had access to the entire nation's wealth. And through gross mismanagement or criminal corruption, we don't know which, he lost $3 billion. And the king in Jesus' story forgives him. Amazing, jaw-dropping, incredible. And then the story goes on. This servant walks away from being forgiven, finds another servant who owed him 100 denarii. 100 denarii is another measurement for money. It's a pittance. It was actually about 1 30,000th of what he had just been forgiven. 1 30,000th. And instead of forgiving his fellow servant, he said, no, I will not forgive you. And he throws him in jail. Amazing. Jaw-dropping. Incredible. Right? Jesus is telling the story to make an obvious point. It's a point about you and me. It's a point about how much you owe and how much somebody owes you. It's a point about how much I owe and how much somebody owes me. And in this story is the secret to forgiveness. That amazing, rare, profound, deep, and wonderful balm that our world so desperately needs, that you so desperately need, and everyone around you. All right. I have three points, and my three points are going to be taken from three words in this passage. So if you have your Bibles, you can underline the words. Or if you have a tablet or a Bible on a phone, you can highlight these words. All right, the first word is found in verse 26, and it's the word patience. The second word is found in verse 27, and it's the word pity. And the third word is also found in verse 27, and that's release. Patience. Pity, release. Let me start with patience. <clears throat> this is verse 26. It says, So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. That English word, uh, patience, is taken from a Greek word, and the Greek word is actually a compound word. The Greek word is macro, which means big or large, and then thymeo, which means suffering, or pain. Macro, thymeo, big pain. And you, 
Some of you may be thinking I'm talking about your husband. And I might. I might be. Right? Big pain. Macrothymao. The, uh, the old King James translated that word to long-suffering. Long-suffering. It's how much you can take before you reach your boiling point. It's how much, uh, how much injustice you can absorb before you lash out. And if you've ever tried to have patience and you felt it inside of you, that longing to lash out, and you've held it in, you know it creates a certain amount of pain inside of you. That's macrothymeo, patience. It's not a normal human trait. It's not an easy human trait. The normal thing for a human being to do when someone has hurt them is to lash out. Like, look at this story in verses 24 and 25. It says, when the king began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. Like, if you were that king, what do you think the king felt when he found out that this trusted servant had somehow lost $3 billion. It actually put his kingdom at risk. I mean, anger would hardly even describe what he felt. He would feel anger. He would feel hurt. He would feel uh, maybe scared because he didn't know whether his kingdom would survive this kind of loss. He would feel betrayed. He might feel embarrassed because he had trusted this guy and given him access so that this guy could hurt him so deeply. And so he responds, and he says, oh, well, I'll tell you what, you have to pay me 10,000 talents. But of course, he didn't have $3 billion, so he couldn't pay him any more than you could pay $3 billion. If you get an, you know, a letter from the IRS tomorrow, that says you owe $3 billion, you probably can't pay. If you can pay, please see me right after the service, right? <laughs> But what would happen? Well, it'd be what happened to the, the, the king knew he couldn't pay. The king knew he didn't have $3 billion buried out, or he would have gone and gotten it. What he said was this, oh, you're going to pay. Even though you can't pay me back $3 billion, you will pay. Because you caused me pain, you now will suffer. And he wants to throw him and all that he loves, all the people he loves, into jail. And what he's saying is, pain for pain, you hurt me, now you will hurt. And the servant comes up with an alternative. He says, no, 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 wait, please, 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 let me give you an an option. Will you be patient with me? Will you be long-suffering with me? Will you suffer with me? Will you suffer for me? What's he asking? Whenever somebody hurts you, Whenever somebody does something that's unjust, unfair to you, it creates an an emotional debt of pain. And somebody has to pay for that pain. And the normal response is to make the person pay who hurt you. That's just, that's what the world, the way the world works. And you know how you do that, right? There's a lot of ways to do that. You can lash out in anger. You can insult them. You can, you can, this is one of the best ways to do it is to tell the story about them to other people. Like, find somebody who doesn't know, a friend, and just say, you won't believe what happened to me. You won't believe what she did to me. And then you tell the story, and your friend goes, I can't believe that. I can't believe she would do that. I can't believe he would do that. You can go to social media. You can 
slander them. You can ruin their reputation. You can destroy things that they love. And when they twist in the wind, when you realize that you are sticking the knife inside of them and you're twisting it so that they hurt too in some way, you feel better because the debt is being paid down. You feel better, kind of. Because when you lash out, when you put someone else in pain, when you pay back somebody pain for pain, it does something deep down inside of you. You begin to lose your joy, and it begins to change you into a person that you may not want to be. But what happens in Jesus' story is the king listens to the servant's alternative, where the, the servant says, won't you suffer with me? Won't you suffer for me? And the king says, okay you are forgiven. Now, when the king says you're forgiven, he says to the servant, you can leave. You can walk away from all this debt, right? And so the man just makes his way and he leaves and all the debt remains. See, now the debt becomes the king's debt that he has to pay. Jesus, in giving us a key to forgiveness, says the first key is to suffer but not to make them suffer. That instead of them paying down the debt that they owe you, you pay it down. And the question then is, how? How do you pay down someone's debt who has hurt you so deeply? Well, this is how. Every time you have the chance to take revenge, you don't. And when you don't take revenge, you will feel that deep down inside of you, you will feel pain. Every time you are tempted to talk about them to another person, where you have the perfect opportunity where somebody says to you, what happened? And you get to say, let me tell you what happened. And you tell it in such a way that makes them go, I can't believe they did that. When you resist that, when you say, listen, I'm not going to say it. You will hold that deep down inside of you and it will be like heat in you. And you will pay down their debt. Now listen, I want to be clear. There are some of you who have been hurt so deeply that you are going to see a counselor and you are talking about your pain. I'm not talking about that kind of talking about pain. There's a difference between talking about pain in order to heal your pain and talking about your pain in order to inflict pain on another. I know the difference in my own heart and I think you do too. One of the things that I've found when I've been preparing for this message is that when somebody hurts me, one of my favorite things to do is talk about them by myself in the car out loud. <laughs> right? And I'm driving and I'm just going, I can't believe, you know what you're doing? Oh, and, and I talk, right? And every time I'm talking, I'm trying to inflict pain in them. I'm trying to hold them accountable. And every time I resist that, every time I decide, you know what, I'm not going to talk like that. I'm not going to say that. Then something is paid off. Listen, this is what you need to know. When there's a debt of emotional pain, when you've been hurt, Forgiveness means someone suffers. There's always pain involved in forgiveness. It's just a question of whether you will make them pay or you will pay. That's the first step. Macro thymeo. Big pain, long suffering, patience. The second word is pity. And that's verse 27. It says this. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. You know, that word pity uh, is not a great English word. It's, uh, the Greek word is 
there's more to it. It means that the, that the king was moved with compassion at seeing his misery. It's like the king made a pronouncement and the, and the guy said, please, please, no, be patient with me. And the king looked at him and actually saw something in him, more than he saw before. One of the things that can happen when you're hurt, and this is what I found with me, you can create a caricature of the person who hurt you. You know what a caricature is, right? It's that cartoon kind of drawing that someone makes of you that kind of looks like you. If you're ever at a fair or a carnival and there's a caricature artist there, don't do it, right? Unless you are extremely confident in the way that you look. Because what they do is they take an aspect of you and they exaggerate it and you'll go, wait, wait, my nose isn't that big. My ears don't stick out that much, right? That's a caricature. When somebody hurts me deeply, I tend to look at them as just being one-dimensional. And when I think about them, that's all I think of. If they've lied to me, that's all I think of. They're a liar. If they've hurt me, that's all I think of. And that's what you do too, probably. And what pity is, and I, now what's interesting with my own sin, I tend to be much more nuanced. I understand why I do certain things. Like, I understand there's a mixture of good and bad in me. I understand that I can be gracious and vindictive. I'm two different kinds of people. But when I'm vindictive, I go, I, you know, I'm not that bad, right? But other people, I don't give them that kind of nuance. Pity is one of the ways that we look at somebody and begin to fill them out so that they become more holistic, so we begin to love them the way we love ourselves. We identify with them more fully. One of the most shocking parts of this story is how quickly the servant forgets all that he has been forgiven. Right? He was just forgiven $3 billion, and he goes to find a fellow servant, and he says, you owe me 100 denarii. He acts as if he has never been in debt to anyone, that he's never needed forgiveness. And if he could have stopped and thought when the person said the exact same words to him that he used to the king, right? the exact same words, the servant says, the servant number two says, please be patient with me, be pa suffer with me, suffer for me. This guy should have said, oh, oh, I know what it's like to need forgiveness. One of the reasons that this is a, one of the surprisingly simple ways for us to make Jesus famous is that you know what, if you know Jesus, you know what it's like to be forgiven. You know what it's like to need to be forgiven. So when somebody hurts you and they need to be forgiven, you can identify with them because you go, oh, I know what it's like to be in such a place where you have created a debt that needs to be forgiven. You've created somebody, you've made somebody in pain and you need them to forgive you out of their own suffering and you remember the cross. So if the first step to forgiveness is patience and the second step is pity, the third step is release, release. Set them free. You know, one, one of the things in this story that hit me as I read it was it starts as a feel-good story, and then it gets disturbing, and then it gets more disturbing. Like the feel-good story is that you got a guy who's 10,000 talents in debt, $3 billion, and the king, amazing, jaw-dropping, forgives him, right? Feel-good story, great story. And then it starts to get disturbing because this guy goes out and finds a fellow servant, who owes him 100 denarii and says, you owe me, pay me what you owe me. And when he does that, he kind of puts himself as the king over his fellow servant. He's not the king. He's just acting like the king. Every time I demand someone make it right with me, 
Every time I want to put myself over somebody, make them kneel and say, you owe me. I am making myself the king. I am not the king, but I'm making myself the king. So that was disturbing. And then it gets even more disturbing because if you, if you listened, what happens at the end, it seems like the king reneges on his forgiveness and he takes that first servant with a $3 billion debt and he throws him into jail. In fact, the word for jailers in verse 34 is the word for torturers. And you want to go, holy cow, wow, what in the world? Why does it end like that? One of the hardest things about forgiveness is it seems like there is no justice. Like if you forgive and you think, but what about justice? And it seems like those two are pitted against each other. In that photo that went viral of Amber Geiger and Brant Jean, one of the interesting things as that swept across the nation is that the African-American community had a different response than the white community. The African-American community had some anger about this photo. And as a white guy, I was thinking, why? I mean, it's such a rare, such a profound, such an amazing thing. Why not praise Brant Jean for doing such an, un an unusual, profound, wonderful thing? And the reason is because the African-American community feels like every time a black man is killed, the nation longs to see forgiveness and not justice. And for uh, several hundred years, the African-American community has been crying out for justice. But I don't think justice and forgiveness need to be pitted against each other. And this is what I mean. Last weekend, I was at Founders Weekend for Robbie Zacharias Ministries, RZIM, and I heard M Michael Ramsden speak, and Michael Ramsden has spoken here before. He was talking about how broken the world was and how broken people are, and then he said this about justice. He said, one of the things that's happening in our country and in our world is that even when justice happens, it doesn't do what we hope it would do, and this is why he said that's true. He said, when you pursue justice, make sure you never pursue justice out of anger and bitterness. Because if you pursue justice out of anger and bitterness, even if you get justice, you will be left with anger and bitterness. When you pursue justice, pursue justice out of love and compassion. And that way, when you get justice, you will be left with love and compassion. And I was thinking of Brant Jean. You know, Brant John, when he was in that courtroom, he asked permission to talk to Amber Geiger. And he talked to her, and he told her that he loved her, and that he forgave her, and then he asked if he could give her a hug. That's the story. That's what went viral. Now, imagine if it went a different way. Imagine if Brant Geiger did what would come naturally, what would come naturally to any of us. What if he said, I want permission to speak to Amber Geiger, and he would have every right to do this, where he would say, listen, I want you to know how badly you have hurt me. You have, you murdered my brother in cold blood. I hate you. I hope you rot in jail. I hope you die in jail. And then they lead Amber Geiger out in handcuffs to go to jail. And all the courtroom empties and Brent John is left alone. How will he feel? Will he be relieved? Will he be free? He might feel better. Kind of. 
but there'll be something inside of him that will still be tortured, which is maybe why the story ends the way it's, the story ends. That when you do not forgive, you stay tortured. This is what is true. Listen, there are all kinds of opportunities to forgive. There'll be, if you don't have someone that has hurt you today, they will hurt you tomorrow. Right? It's like pennies strewn across every neighborhood, in every community, in every nation throughout the world. And all you have to do if you want to forgive somebody is just pick one up and go, I'll forgive. Because you will have all kinds of opportunities to forgive. The thing about a follower of Jesus is this. You know what it's like to be forgiven. What Jesus says is every time... What he's trying to tell Peter is every time someone hurts you and it hurts so badly that's just all you think about. What he's saying is you have forgotten. You have forgotten if you will not forgive them. You've forgotten all that you have been forgiven for because out of every, anybody in the world, we know what it's like to have a debt and have a king who says to us, you're forgiven. I will bear your pain. I will suffer with you for you. I will pay it for you. Imagine this story that Jesus tells. If it ended a different way. If the story that Jesus tells, he says, listen, there was a servant who owed a king 10,000 talents, $3 billion. The king forgives him. And he immediately went out and found a fellow servant who owed him 100 denarii. And he said, you won't believe what just happened to me. I got to tell you about this king. And the fellow servant says, wait, wait, but I owe you 100 denarii and I don't have it. He said, don't worry, don't worry about that. You can't believe this king. You can't believe him. What would it be like for even our church, for every single person here who really knows Jesus, to begin to be a vessel of grace that goes out and no matter how much pain someone has caused you, you begin to say, even just inside of yourself, I will not make them pay. And you remind yourself of all that Jesus did. And if you get to the point where you forgive them, people who know what they have done will ask you, how could you ever do that? And you will say, you have to meet this king. His name is Jesus. If you want a simple way to make Jesus famous, there may not be a more simple way in our world right now than to truly forgive someone for what they've done to you. Because the only reason that we could ever forgive is to know that we have been forgiven by the only one who really matters. Let's make Jesus famous. Would you pray with me? Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, as I was just praying this morning, I was reminded of how hard it is to forgive anyone. Uh, forgiveness is hard. And it was hard for you. And that's why you went to the cross. But because you went to the cross and then rose from the dead, I can be forgiven of every single thing, large and small, and every person in here who knows you has experienced the same thing. Lord, I pray for all of us that you will help us to be vessels of grace so that when people hurt us, we will not demand that they pay pain for pain. 
but we will remember what you have done for us, and then we will be able to be patient, to suffer with them for them, to pay down their debt, to have pity on them because we know what it's like to need forgiveness, and then release them. And as we do, I pray that you will set us free as well. We pray this in your blessed name. Amen.